We left off talking about the rapture. We talked about how there could come a moment at any moment when Jesus, according to 1 Thessalonians 4.18, will come and call His saints here on the earth back to Himself. The Scripture tells us that the dead in Christ will rise first and we who are alive and remain will be caught up in the air uh, to be with the Lord. And so we talked about His eminent coming and how it could come at any, any moment. And we spent a good deal of time on that rapture, the rapture of the church. And as I thought about how I wanted to progress through all of these lessons, I know there's so many uh, questions. You may have questions as to why I think the way I think and why others think the way they think and, and what's happening through this whole time period. And I think I've got a game plan to get through it. I'm going to try to try to take certain topics or personalities that begin to pop up to us as we move move through tribulation that hopefully we can deal with all the ancillary issues that are going on as well and hopefully we can get a real good coverage of all that we know uh, that will take place during this time frame that the Bible tells us. As you can see on your notes, there's a whole host of scriptures that we've put up at the top of your page. I don't know, maybe turn to Matthew 24, we'll get some scripture under our belt. Interestingly enough, though, when it comes to the Antichrist, you actually find more information out about him in the book of Daniel than in any really New Testament book. I mean, the Revelation has some about him, and uh, he is presented to us in the book of the Revelation as the beast. And I'm going to get to that in just a moment. But um, we we really find out a whole lot more about him in the book of Daniel. And Daniel is a book that has a significant portion of it dedicated to prophecy. I will tell you that even in Daniel's prophecy, there's, there's so much imagery going on that sometimes it just gets all tangled up trying to get through there. But we're going we're gonna to kind of take little you know, bite-sized portions and see if we can't understand some of this as we go through it. But the book of Daniel is really the most helpful book with regards to the Antichrist. Let me just say some other things. You know, when I prepare... Uh, for Wednesday night, I basically type up the notes and then I don't know how I'm going to say it. So, how, you know, however it comes out, it comes out. But when Daniel was prophesying about the Antichrist, about the one that would be the world ruler, the evil ruler at the end of the age, um, I believe it to be so. And he used as, I believe, a part of the imagery or the illustration uh, was a guy by the name of Antiochus Epiphanes. Now, Depending on how you want to interpret the Bible, there are some people that uh, think that his uh, prophecies had to deal with Antiochus. I think, I'll just say this, I think there have been many people that have come through history that have resembled the Antichrist. I mean, I think Adolf Hitler, you could make a case, resembled an anti, a type of Antichrist. So we could go through and pick just evil people out, and, and they certainly functioned out of the spirit of an Antichrist. But interestingly, Antiochus Antiochus Epiphanes, which is oftentimes linked to the last Antichrist, much like the king of Tyre in the book of Ezekiel is sometimes linked to Satan himself, if if you would read those particular passages. But Antiochus was an interesting guy because he wanted to rule the whole world. He not only wanted to rule it, but he wanted to rule all the culture of it, all the religion of it. He, He wanted to rule every aspect of it. He was an evil, vile, perverted ruler. His name actually means, if you can believe this, that he was named Antiochus Epiphanes, which literally means God manifested. 
And I can assure you that there will be a moment that the Antichrist will want and demand the worship of the world. And in some ways, he will declare of himself that he is God manifested. In fact, some of the things that will occur in his life will cause all the people of the world to think him to be the actual Messiah. And so uh, Antiochus Epiphanes, he had an absolute disdain for the Jewish people. It was Antiochus who, when he uh, pillaged the temple, the Jewish temple, actually drove pigs into the temple and sacrificed pigs on the Ark of the Covenant. Now, you don't think that probably didn't get God's dander up. Uh, so he, just, he was just a, a despicable person, but he was a picture, one of the pictures in history of what the Antichrist uh, will look at this particular time period. Now, again, when the Antichrist shows up, you all know this, he's not coming, he's not coming looking like, you know, a Halloween devil. You know, he's not coming with horns out of his head and a tail around the back that he's constantly hiding, you know. And, and you know, it, that's not, he's going to be a very winsome, uh, what we would call not in the religion, well, maybe even in the religious sense, charismatic, very, have charisma. I mean, you know, pe- people are only so dumb. I mean, you know, they figure things out after a while, but this, this person has the ability to garner the attention of the whole world. And let me just read some passages just to get them out there under our belt. And we'll start in Matthew 24. Matthew chapter 24, we see a picture coming from Jesus himself speaking about uh, what we will come to know as the Antichrist. He says in verse 15, Therefore, when you see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet standing in the holy place. Now, literally, the abomination of desolation is the Antichrist. He will... He will, at one point during this tribulation period, he will enter into the rebuilt temple and he will literally declare himself to be God in the, in the Jewish temple that's been rebuilt. And Daniel will describe that as, the, as an abomination, the abomination of desolation. And he's speaking of the Antichrist. And it says in verse 16, Then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. Let him who is on the housetop not go down to take anything out of his house. And let him who is in the field not go back to get his clothes. He says, But woe to those who are pregnant and to those who are nursing babies in those days. And pray that your flight might not be in winter or on the Sabbath. For then there will be great tribulation. Now, when we get to talking about the tribulation... We're going to talk about some seals and some things that are going to be unleashed in this first three and a half year time period. And we'll probably get started with that next week. But when I start to talk to you about what's going to happen in those first three and a half years, you're going to look and you're going to say that I don't want to be there. I don't want to have anything to do with that. That that first three and a half years is not even great tribulation. That's the start. This three and a half will be the great tribulation and i will assure you if if you find yourself having to navigate this time period in fact just commit right now just live all out for the lord right now we're we're, we're going to get to the parable of the wise and foolish virgins probably in this time period right around mid-tribulation time and i'm telling you there are people who say who say They love God, but their hearts are far from him. That's what Jesus said to the religious leaders of his day. He said, in vain do you worship me. With your lips you say certain things, but your heart is far from me. And and just commit right now to get your heart right before God. And you, you don't 
You don't have to know all the details of that. Praise God. But nonetheless, there's going to be great tribulation. For then there will be great tribulation, such as not been seen since the beginning of the world until this time, no, nor ever shall be. And we could go to verse 22 even. And unless those days were shortened, no flesh would be saved. But for the elect's sake, those days will be shortened. Basically, what Jesus is saying there is, he was saying, if it weren't a defined period of time, even those who made commitments to the Lord during this time, even those that were his elect, even the the Jewish people that will have given their lives over to the true Messiah, if it weren't for the fact that this was a defined period of time, they wouldn't make it. They wouldn't make it. And so it's going to be a horrifically difficult time, and, and the guy leading the parade is the one we call the Antichrist. Now, many people wonder when the tribulation period begins. Most of the time, when it gets taught just for the sake of clarity, we we usually define the tribulation starting at the point of the rapture. It's, it's It's a good assumption to make. Because this will be such a world, global, defining event Again, we talked about last time how there could be actually natural disasters or something we've never, a cosmic disaster of some sort that could be associated with this event that puts the world into such tumultuous uh, uh, perspective and tumultuous activity that it, it seems to be very logical that that very event could be actually the, the, the spinoff of what starts this tribulation time period. However, the Bible tells us that, in effect, the tribulation or the seven-year time period officially begins when this one called the Antichrist or the beast signs a seven-year covenant with Israel. Now, in the book of Daniel, why don't you go ahead and turn back and you you can get some good exercise and just beginning to look through your Bible. In Daniel chapter 9, verse 27, this is what we read. It's talking about the Antichrist. It says here, then he shall confirm a covenant with many for one week. Now, I may spend some time talking about Daniel's weeks. When, when he uses the term week, he actually is using an imagery here for a year. How many days are in a week? Right. Seven uh, days in a week. So it says that he's going to confirm a covenant with many for one week. But it says, but in the middle of the week, he shall bring an end to sacrifice and offering. And that's the moment when we get to the middle midpoint of the tribulation, when we're going to find the Antichrist breaking this covenant and uh, probably standing in the midst of the temple and declaring himself to be God. But officially, the tribulation starts when the Antichrist cuts a covenant, develops a peace treaty of some form or fashion, uh, with Israel that is a defined length of time, seven years. Um, again, I may have some of this in my notes, but uh, I, I personally believe that when you hear all of the, uh, the rumbles about peace agreements and the Palestinian state and all the things that have to be done in order to begin to transition things in Israel or in ancient Palestine in order to set up uh, uh, perhaps a divided Jerusalem or to be give the Palestinians their state, that's going to take some time. So it would not surprise me if the beginning of that treaty, that peace treaty, was when they finally nailed down, uh, you know, in writing, when this transition was going to take place, which ultimately never takes place because the covenants broke in the middle of that time period. But the reason I'm spending some time with this is because 
we don't know exactly from when this event takes place to when the ratification of that treaty will take place. I don't know if this is days or could it be years. We don't know exactly. So there is a possibility that a rapture could take place and then several years could actually eclipse before that covenant is struck. But once that covenant is struck, the clock gets to ticking. Are you with me? Because we, we just, we just, we don't, we don't know exactly, you know, that it's not going to get cut on the day that the rapture takes place. I suspect people will be rather busy that day trying to untangle all that's going on. Now, again, this time period, and I'm just putting a little circle here, this, this time period is, is going to be a little, scripturally, we, 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 just, we, we aren't going to be able to get our fingers on exactitude in, in a time period right around here. Once the covenant is made, though, the clock is ticking and we can begin to get a better handle on what's going to take place. So, I wrote down here, therefore the rapture in all likelihood will be the event that begins to unveil who this person is, the Antichrist, and begin to give him the circumstances by which he will be able to rule. So there could be a period of several days to several years between the rapture and the beginning of the seven-year tribulation period. Now, let me go down, and I just decided I was going to just do bullet points, and, and hopefully it will help you put some pieces together. Number one, I do not believe that anyone this side of the rapture can know for certain who the Antichrist is. I just, I just personally, uh, I don't think we would know. I'm not sure, listen to me, I'm not sure the Antichrist knows he's it. I mean, we, we don't know exactly. It's not like, it's not like all of a sudden he's, you know, you know, it's not like Hollywood. It's not like Damien in The Omen, okay? It's not, it's, it, it, don't, don't get your eschatology from Hollywood. They'll mess you up every time. Now, we can guess and we can speculate, but anyone who says they know with any certainty does not comprehend how dramatically things will change after the rapture. You know, people can look like, you know, they're rising up into power. You, you've been down the list. People thought Gorbachev was the Antichrist because he had that big, you know, birthmark. On his head, people have done number, uh, uh, you know, number things on people's names, and they figure out that you know. I heard some say Ronald Wilson Reagan, six six six. You know, I've heard it all. I know who. I know people say, "How dare you say Ronald?" I mean, but I see that's what people do. Adolf Hitler. Can you imagine Adolf Hitler with the Social Security stuff and all that kind of stuff? I mean, so. So truth of the matter is, we can look and, and maybe see people that we would think, wow, they, they could potentially be a candidate for the Antichrist. Because, you know, it's not like, it's not like we're going to have, you know, this campaign, you know, vote for me, I'm the Antichrist, you know. So it's not, you know. So once this event takes place, the whole world, it's like, it's like shaking up the Yahtzee dice again. You know what Yahtzee dice are? You've got to shake it all up again because you don't know how all that's going to shake out. All right? Now, there are some general characteristics the Bible gives us with regards to his demeanor and character. And, and, and literally, you could put 50 different things out here, but I just put a few out just as bullet points that I thought were really interesting because I want to give you a profile of what this person will look like. The Bible says that he will have the eyes of a man and arise from the earth. 
which means, in, in my understanding, he's going to be a genuine human being. All right, now this is going to be real important because I've heard people teach that the beast was some computer over in Germany that's hidden underground. All right, the beast is not a computer. The, a computer will probably be involved in the Antichrist system, but there will be a person. The Bible is very clear about that. It will be a person. It says here he will be of a larger physical stature and i'm giving you all the reference points so you can check me out he'll be of a larger physical stature scripture says that he'll be of a strong face now again i don't know what all this may mean but but i i I liken that to a fierce countenance the scripture says that he will understand prophecy or mysteries you got to understand he's going to untangle the greatest mess the world has ever seen and, and everybody's going to say he's untangled it. Now, I don't know if he's literally going to give the real truth of the matter or whether or not he'll have a homespun version that just comes out of his lies and deceit. I don't, I don't know. But, he, but the whole world will, will look and say he's got, he understands what's going on right now. So he'll be able to understand prophecy or mysteries. Scripture tells us he'll be very strong, very powerful. He'll be prude, prudent and shrewd. <laughs> prude, I guess. No, prudent and shrewd, it says. Daniel 11.21 says that he'll actually be a despicable person. I think, I think the term in my Bible, it says he was vile. Uh, probably I would liken that to a perverted person. Uh, all that that may mean in all the imagery that that might produce. The scripture, interestingly enough, says that he will not come from royalty. Now, isn't that interesting that that would be put in there? It's not like he's going to have a lineage of royalty. So, in other words, that knocks out most of the European kings that have a, a royal lineage. Because there's not going to be any royalty in his, in his blood, it says here, according to the scripture. His heart will be bent on evil. And the Bible also tells us out of Daniel 11.37, there's an interesting passage here, 11.37, it says, it says, he shall regard neither the God of his fathers, nor the desire of women, nor regard any God, for he shall exalt himself above them all. And there are some who suggest that because there's such deception working in him that he could be a homosexual, oriented, oriented as a homosexual as well, because there'll be no... There'll be no desire there in the, in the natural uh, with regards to gender. And of course, he will directly disobey the authority of God. And so, uh, you know, again, I'm sure there are other things we can pull out. We're going to know several things, other things about him. Uh, but, but these are just some of the portrait points I can give you to help you understand who this person is as he begins to make his way in the tribulation time period. Number three, I personally do not believe the papacy to be the Antichrist. Now, I don't know how long some of you have grown up in church circles. Uh, you know, Trace and I have been around this a long time. And I, I've heard, I heard years ago, I mean, they thought, of course, Luther did too. He thought that the Pope was the Antichrist. And um, there were certain reasons that he would think that way. But I no longer think that way, and I, I'm going to tell you why. It's not because I think Catholic theology is right. As a matter of fact, I think Catholic theology is really, really off course. But there are certain things that the Scripture says 
that must be fulfilled in order for the Antichrist to be who he is that cannot be fulfilled in Catholicism. For instance, the scripture is clear that this is a person and not a system of rulers. So if you ever hear someone think it's the papacy, it's not a system of rulers, it is a person. Secondly, the papacy has never denied that Jesus Christ has not come in the flesh, which is, the Bible says, the spirit of the Antichrist. Spirit of the Antichrist cannot declare that Jesus is Lord, and it says that it denies that Jesus came in the flesh. Well, I have yet to meet a Catholic priest who could not say Jesus is Lord, and at the same time uh, deny that he did not come in the flesh. That seems unlikely. Since the Antichrist will be intricately involved in world religions, it is most plausible that he could even be of Jewish descent. In fact, he could be a proselytized Jew. Since he will initially have favor with Israel in bringing about peace. However, again, I'm just making some speculation here. But I do know this, that there will be a moment that he will be declared by the, Jewish, the deceived Jewish remnant to be the Messiah. And I think they would know enough that to declare someone to be the Messiah, I would think they would require some Jewish lineage in there as well. So, again, that's just some of the things that, as I've studied it, uh, I'm landing on. Number four, many believe him to be Roman or of European in, in descent. Uh, that Probably I didn't spell that or the computer switched it on me. In order to rule over the commonwealth of nations. Now, the Antichrist is going to come to power by ruling, really, the, the ancient Roman Empire. And the ancient Roman Empire today, if we were to define it, is what we would call the European Union. Now, for years, there was no European Union, which is really fascinating because if you figure from, let's say, 1948, which is when Israel became a nation, which a lot of things, I think, got put into gear at that particular moment, you know, before, prior to 1948, it was difficult in some, in some ways to talk about eschatology or last times because a part of the key to the end time scenario was that Israel had to be a nation and, 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 and the Jews had to be in their land. And up to 1948, the Jews had not been in their land for I don't know how many years. I mean, 1,000, 1,500 years at, at, at least or, or longer. And so... Um, and so when that took place, and, and then they would say, well, how is one person going to rule over the nations of Europe? And even in my short lifespan, I, I can remember back, you know, a couple decades ago looking at Europe, and there was no European Union, and there was no Commonwealth, and people would talk about how the European nations would begin to forge a union together. And I can remember listening to that years ago and saying to myself, well, I, can't, I just can't see them doing something like that but not only have they done that but now they have a single currency system called the what the euro and now there's even people advocating a global currency system so uh, anyway these things are beginning to happen before our very eyes the lisbon treaty which is concerning the european union is, will be ratified by 27 nations and I read in the paper just not too long ago, I, I, it couldn't have been a week ago, but there's speculation that Tony Blair actually will be its first president. That was out of the Charleston Post and Courier. That he might very well have the stature to be the first president 
of the European Union. Now, that doesn't mean that Tony Blair is the Antichrist. I'm not, don't walk out here. Pastor said Tony Blair was the Antichrist. No, I did not say that. But there's a way being paved for that certainly to take place. And also the scripture tells us that there'll be a time that the Antichrist will also rule from Jerusalem itself. And that's in Daniel 11.45 in the book of the Revelation as well. Now as we continue, following the rapture of the church, this will be the moment Satan selects his Antichrist and false prophet. Now, again, you can disagree with me, and many people probably do, and you can have your own theory. But I personally think that Satan does not understand with any clarity biblical prophecy. In fact, 1 Peter 1, 10 through 12. Uh, let me just go over there real quick. 1 Peter 1, 10 through 12. It says, Of this salvation the prophets have inquired and searched carefully who prophesied of the grace that would come to you, searching what or what manner of time the Spirit of Christ who was in them was indicating when he testified beforehand the sufferings of Christ that, and the glories that would follow. To them it was revealed that, not to themselves, but to us, they were ministering to things which now have been reported to you through those who have preached the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven, things which angels desire to look into. Now there's two things here that are very important. Number one is, is that you can't understand, you can't understand last times, you can't understand salvation unless you get revelation. Now I'm not talking about the book of, I'm talking about the unveiling of one's eyes. Unless it be revealed to you. See, the only reason right now you're comprehending things that I might be saying to you, it's because the Holy Spirit, who is in the earth right now, and who is in you as a believer, is using the words that's coming out of pastor's mouth, no matter how feeble or bumbly-stumbly he sounds at times, but he causes that to be translated into understanding and revelation to you. That doesn't happen with the enemy. There ain't no Holy Ghost working in the devil. Are you following me? He's the father of lies. I've said this before. He has spoken the lie so much. This is, this, is the, this is really the definition of deception. It's when you have lied so much, you've believed your own lie. So the lie becomes truth to you. It's your truth, so to speak. Satan is the father of lies. So in other words... As, as, as weird as this may seem to us, because he was in the very throne room of God. You understand that? He saw the glory of God. He was in the presence of God. He understands the glories of heaven. He chose to rebel. He was, he was thrown out. And you would think that a being as powerful as he is would at least get it that he's not going to win when it's all said and done. You would think he would get that. But he doesn't get that. See? Because he's deceived himself. He's self-deceived. And so, I don't believe the enemy understands with any clarity or that he would believe. And, and say, well, you know, it, it's not as if, you know, the enemy would hear somebody teaching on end times and he were to listen in on it. I don't believe the enemy would say, oh, oh okay, now I get it. I guess I'm going to lose this thing. That's, that's not how it works. And it even says here in the passage in 1 Peter, it says with, with regards to this that even angels desire to look into it. 
It's almost as if you get the picture that angels, angels, the angels don't, they don't, there's some things, you know, you understand angels don't understand redemption like we understand it. Because they've, 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 they've not known, they've not known the horror of sin and the joy of redemption. When we begin to sing the song of redemption, the angels have to fold their wings because they cannot sing those songs. That's why it says, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. See? So, so Satan may not even understand the rapture or what will follow. These people, the Antichrist, the false prophet, these people may be on the earth today and are normal. As I said before, you may go, you may go to work with them. Although probably he's not coming out of America, so chances are uh, probably not in America today. Because their satanic calls have yet to be revealed to them or embraced by them. And the Antichrist will mesmerize the world and even the world will hail him as Messiah. Number six, the Antichrist's first duty is to make peace in the Middle East. Now, in Daniel 9.27, it talks about the many nations. Many nations will undoubtedly, as they're beginning to surround Israel will probably be Islamic and Arab nations. Uh, the present peace talks between Israel and Palestine will be a starting point, I believe, for this agreement. So just as we're having all these birth pangs in the earth with, with wars and rumors of wars, with famines and pestilences and earthquakes, you've got to understand that every president, in fact, every modern president that I can think of, has, has done his best to try to bring peace to the Middle East. But I'm not sure anybody will be able to do that until Mr. Antichrist comes along. And he will be the one that will be able to piece the deal together. Um, the timeline for a Palestinian state, as I mentioned earlier, could be that seven years. So that, that could be the reason why seven years is given to us in the scripture. Peace will likely begin when Israel agrees to internationalize Jerusalem with the future expectation of dividing the capital. That scenario seems to provide the reasoning that Russia will attack Israel from the north, but the scripture says they'll be soundly defeated. In fact, it is possible, and again, everybody's going to have their opinion, but I believe within this, this, this circle of what we'll call it uncertainty, that it is, it is possible that, that Russia from the north could mobilize and if we were to see them mobilize and to begin to move against Israel, I can tell you this, that you better have your eyes on the fig tree because it's blooming. And, and we are real close. But, but it, is, it, is, it is possible within this circle of uncertainty within the scripture, we could begin to see uh, from the north Russia come in and begin to attack. And the Bible says this. The Bible says that when Russia moves on Israel and this, this battle takes place, that somehow, some way, God will intervene in this battle. And that it will take literally seven months to clean up the bodies off the battlefield. And seven years to burn the weapons. Now, because I say that, is the reason why I think, I think you would have a legitimate reason to push that particular battle, not on this side. I know if, you'll, if you listen to most of the guys on television, they're going to put that battle somewhere 
on this side of the rapture. But I'm just telling you, with seven months to clean up bodies and seven years to burn the weapons, it, 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 is, it is possible, and the scripture doesn't tell me it can't be possible, that, that we could even begin to see that with our own eyes. And so again, um, know that the day is near. Uh, this defeat will allow Israel to rebuild its temple without opposition. Now we know, we know that the Antichrist will be standing in the temple declaring himself to be God at the three and a half year point. We know that to be true. And so the question is, can a temple be built within three and a half years? That's an interesting question. And again, it wouldn't surprise me if, we were, if, if right before the rapture we weren't beginning to see mobilization and things happening with regards to the temple. In fact, a lot of that's happening now. I am told that there are people who actually have walls and things all put together that they could literally construct a temple within months if, 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 it was, if all the circumstances were right. Uh, the temple must be rebuilt and in operation before the halfway mark of the tribulation. Um, so again, I mentioned that. Number seven, at the midpoint of the tribulation, the Antichrist, the Bible says, and again, I'm just dealing with him. I know there are many other events. There's seals, there's bowls, there's trumpets. I understand there's all kinds of things that are going on, but I'm just sticking with the Antichrist and we're building, we'll build on that uh, beginning next week. But at the middle point of the tribulation, the Antichrist, the scripture says, will be assassinated. He'll be seemingly killed and, and you'll hear what I'm saying here in just a moment. Many believe that this assassination occurs when he walks into the temple and declares that he is God and demands to be worshipped. And that is what Jesus meant, as well as Daniel, when it talked about the abomination of desolation. When he walks in there, filled with Satan himself, and stands in that holy place and declares himself to be God, that's the abomination of desolation. He is, he is assassinated, and as shocking as his death is, the world will be further shocked by his apparent rising from the dead. Now, this was really interesting because my father-in-law and I got into this long conversation about this the other day. Because only God can resurrect. And so the question we started batting around was, what's the deal? I mean, I mean why would, is God resurrecting him, or is that out of the equation and, and I'm just throwing things out for you to consider. It's just an interesting area. Either I think his death was staged or it was a demonic sleep that only gave the appearance of death. For those of you that have watched magicians, Chris Angel, and they do, you know, they saw people in half. I mean, you've seen this stuff. I mean, I've watched them pull people apart and I don't know. I mean, I know it's an illusion and I don't know how they do it, but it looks, it, it can look really real. Well, uh, that could very well be a part of the scenario. So, so uh, or, I, I don't know that I have any problem with it, it could be that Satan himself just enters into the shell and, and, and brings him up. However it shakes out or however it works out, the, the truth of the matter is the world will consider him to have risen from the dead. And many people, including Jews, will accept him out of this deception. Now, Again, this may be a sensitive point with some, but I think it's an important point to make, and that is many people, including Jews, will accept him out of that deception and hail him as the Messiah. Now, we'll talk about this later, but during this tribulation period, there are two things that are going to be happening. The Antichrist is going to be garnering his, his supporters and, and the people that are under his deception, but at the same time, 
during this tribulation period, the scripture is very clear that there's, there's a harvest of souls that's going on. There is evangelism that's taking place during the tribulation. You say, well, pastor, I thought you said the Holy Ghost was gone. Well, yes, the restrainer is gone, but there is evangelism that is taking place still, especially amongst the Jewish people. There's a great Jewish revival that's taking place during this particular time. And um, let me, oh yeah, and I wanted to say this, that we need to remember that Israel has a covenant with God through Abraham. But just as I believe America has a covenant, that doesn't make all of America godly. And all of Israel, just because it's Israel, is not godly. And so we've got to keep that in mind, that while God has a covenant with Israel and, and and we're commanded to uh, pray for the peace of Jerusalem, and we're commanded to honor those covenants that have made, been made to the seed of Abraham, that doesn't mean that everything Israel does is right. Are you with me? Just like everything America does, even though I believe there's a destiny on America, isn't always right. Through all of this, though, he will become the dictator of the European Middle East region. I've got to hurry. Satan, through the Antichrist, will now direct his attention to the tribulation saints. The Bible says that he's going to break the covenant halfway through with Israel, and then he'll reign with fierce anger, and he'll kill those who oppose him. In fact, the false prophet, his job description will be to promote the worship of the Antichrist. The Mark 666, which people find interesting, and we'll come back and deal with that as we go through the tribulation period, it will be what will be implemented at the time so that no one can buy or sell unless they've embraced the mark. As I mentioned, there'll be this great harvest of souls into the kingdom, but that second three and a half years will be a time of unspeakable torment, torture, massive death tolls across the earth. There will be unprecedented plagues, natural disasters divinely sent by God. The scripture tells us that we're talking about a, a quarter of the world's population will be wiped out. And, and so you've got to understand that the death tolls will be massive. Some of it through the plagues and natural disasters, some of it by the hand of the Antichrist himself and then in a final attempt to destroy god's people he'll gather the nations around israel some speculate that this war will come about from israel again refusing to give jerusalem back to the palestinians and at that moment we find the word armageddon in revelation 16 16 and at that moment jesus will literally come back and it's at this moment where he'll literally come back with his church and the saints and he will intervene in this particular war. And it will be at that point that the false prophet and the Antichrist will be thrown. They will be thrown at this point into the lake of fire. The scripture tells us, though, however, that Satan will only be bound for a thousand years in a pit. So at this point, the Antichrist and false prophet, prophet they go to the lake of fire. Satan is bound for a thousand years. I just started thinking about that, you know. They may, they may be promoting a movie 2012 and the world's going to end, but do you know we've got a lot of years left before this world ends? Is that not true? A thousand and seven at least. Actually, actually I, I believe when it's all said and done that, that the saints of God for all eternity will inhabit a new heaven and a new earth with a new Jerusalem. And, and we, we will probably be in our glorified state here on the earth in some form or fashion. And then uh, I mentioned he was thrown into the lake of fire. And, uh, and anyway, I'm going to stop there. I, I wanted to get through and I wanted to put out just some of the features of the Antichrist 
what he's doing during this time period. And when we come back now, and I'll come back next week, and I'll be pick it up again from this point, and I'm going to walk through the tribulation period, and I'm going to talk about the things that God will be doing, the things that will be happening on the earth, and I'm, I'm hoping if I kind of go through and come back and go through and come back and go through and come back, that, that we can put layers upon layers on top of each other so that you can get a better sense of what's happening during that interesting time period. Now I'm going to stop there. I've got a couple minutes left, and I guess it's been a couple weeks since I fielded questions, and uh, maybe I could take a question or two before we go. And uh, if it's something that's coming up, I might hold you off, but if not, I'll try to answer it. Yeah. No, no, Armageddon's a whole nother deal. Yeah, yeah, when, when, when Russia comes from the north, again, God intervenes in that battle, but, but that's what springboards that covenant that takes place in order for the Antichrist to, to uh, uh, you know, win, garner his support by making that peace treaty. Yeah, it, 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 you know, and I've confused it before through the years, but everybody I've read places it right in that particular time period. It seems to make sense to me too. So, man. Yes, yes. Yeah, they're coming, and Russian Jews as well are coming. All the people that are coming back, there's a number. I have to believe there must be a number in God's mind of, of the people that must come back to inhabit the land in order, I think, to put some things into motion. But yeah, they're, they're coming back, amazingly. And that's, that's all a part. It was prophesied in Scripture. They would come from the north, from Russia. They would come from Ethiopia as well. So... Just about everybody. <laughs> you know what? I, predominantly, and, and unfortunately for America, we're making the sounds that, that we're not supporting them anymore. And I understand that's a political thing that sometimes you know, we have to navigate because Israel doesn't always do what's right. I mean, I think there are Palestinian Christians that, that kind of get the raw end of the deal sometimes. And, and I think there are brothers and sisters in Christ. But having said that, that... that just about everybody would like the Middle East to go away. And a lot of them are beginning to think, since you've got all this massive number of Arabs, if we got rid of little Israel, it seems like we'd make more people happy. And, and, and that's eventually what's, what would happen. Would it not be for the fact that when, that when they get attacked, it's just like in that, what was it, the three-day war in 67, that they were, they were attacked from three different directions, and in, in three days they'd, they'd wiped everybody out. And, I, and, I'm, and if, you, if you read the story, I forget the book uh, that chronicles that, but if you could hear the stories of what happened on the battlefield, how you can't explain it any other way than God did it, how dust storms blew into the engines of the enemy's tanks and, and aircraft and just shut them down, and things that you just couldn't imagine in 67 that took place. Well, God is going to intervene somehow, some way, and little Israel is going to come out of that okay to where... The Antichrist is going to say, we need to cut a deal. And, and so, uh, anyway, that's... But there's not many that there's not... They, they'd love to see... You've got to realize, the UK is now... The, UK, the, the European nations, because they opened up to immigration of Arab Muslim people, right now, the French, the English... Everybody in Europe has a problem, and that is the Muslim population is growing, 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 growing.
and politically they get pressured to distance themselves from Israel. And they don't, and they don't know how to handle it. Because, and, and if America doesn't get a hold of this, we're going to be under the same pressure to back away from Israel as well because of the Muslim population. Oh, yeah, that was the Abrahamic covenant. Those that bless you, I will bless. Those that curse you, I will curse. Yeah, that's the covenant. All right, well, all great questions, and I wish I, it's not my, exactly my strongest suit, but what, you, what I got, I give, so there you go. All right, let's stand. Shall we stand? Amen. Amen. Thanks, Lord, for tonight just one more time stirring our minds up to your grand plan and your design. Lord, we don't fear. You've not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Lord, our hope is in you. And uh, I'm confident tonight. Lord, let your confidence just bubble up in your people tonight. Lord, that, that uh, you're watching over your church. You're watching over your people. That you're empowering us to do your will and your work in the earth. And Lord, I just pray tonight. I, I, I pray tonight that, Lord, if we be the, the generation that, is caught away, then Lord, praise God. But Lord, if we're not, help us to occupy until you come. Lord, we're not, we're not being sucked into a scenario in order to make it happen, but Lord, we believe our job is to resist the enemy, is to proclaim the gospel, that our job is to go and be diligent workers in the field, to be, to be wise, wise people whose lamps are filled with oil and even extra oil. And so, Lord, remind us of those things this night. And we believe, Lord, that in these latter days that you're causing even more power to come into your people to do what you called us to do. And so, Lord, I thank you for that. I thank you that, that you win. I thank you that your people will prevail. I thank you, Lord, that we can rest in that this night. So bless your folks as we go our separate ways. Lord, cause it to be a great rest of the week, I ask in Jesus' mighty name. And all the people said, Amen. Amen. Praise God. Glad you're here tonight. I want to see you 10 o'clock Sunday. It'll be good. 9.30 if you want.